Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to the No Huddle Show. We come back from our holiday hiatus. Uh, I got Sam with me. It's uh, quite a bit more chilly up in Michigan, I'm assuming, than it is here in Ohio. Dude, it is so cold out here. It's crazy. You know, what's crazy is in Ohio, we had 60-degree weather like two days ago in December. And now it's like 30 degrees. But, you know, whatever. I'll take it. A couple cold months, get back to the spring. No big deal. So what's going on, man? Are you excited to be back, back with another show here? Start 2022 off right. Yeah, man. I'm uh, starting off the week with some weekends. So, I mean, uh, why not, right? Yeah, man. Um, so I wanted to get uh, to a couple things first, bud. We have a big show today, and we're going to kick things off with our with NFL talk, uh, which is always our biggest uh, topic around, around this time of year. But – I think I, I, I sent to you a couple days ago a little tidbit of a Bart Scott interview on Get Up when he was talking about Joe Burrow and Bengals. And uh, I got that audio clip here to play for everybody. But, um, man, it's just, dude, I can't wait to dive in. As a, as a ex-Jet, I'm kind of ashamed at the fact that he, like, to those lengths to point out and single out what, behavior is actually being perceived at end on these teams. So yeah. even if they are doing any of the things that he's saying, um, first of all, the league should definitely put that, that whole thing on notice, you know, and, and check it out and vet out whether that's actually happening or not. And the second thing is it's none of his business to put that out there. Right. It's really the league's, it's really the league's job to make sure the players are safe, especially uh, you know, players, high-profile players, franchise players that, that you know, if they're out when they're gone, the team kind of falls apart. You saw how Jibbo went down with an ACL and the whole team kind of crumbled, right? Yeah. So that's that's something that, you know, um, you don't want to – you don't you don't want to – you want to you don't want to build that up, right? It's none of his business. He shouldn't he shouldn't have even been there speaking about those things. Well, just so everybody can hear, we'll only go ahead to the audio clip and let's hear what Bart Scott had to say on Get Up, I believe it was last week. This dude beat Shane Falco and the replacement players, first of all. This dude wasn't playing against the Baltimore Ravens. And listen, I've seen this movie before, right? I've seen Carson Palmer come in, and they had a couple of things, success. But listen, this is a culture in Baltimore. And listen, the last thing you ever want to do is poke the bear. Okay, and you were the team that, you know, nobody had expectations for. You won a game, and you beat them twice. Congratulations. You know what you've won for your, for your, for your wins? You want a lifetime career ass-kicking from the Baltimore Ravens <laughs> going forward. Because guess what? The business, our rival is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And listen, it's the way we go about it. Zach Taylor, you, you're, you're involved in this too, right? You want to sit up here and you want to run the score up. You won't get the benefit of the doubt. And listen, I guarantee you, it's called red dot. And every Raven, mm. former Raven, understand what the Bart. red dot means. You can be mm. swagged out. You ain't no tough guys, but Bart. you will not get the benefit of the doubt. I guarantee you, he will not last long in his division. They're going to make sure they become headhunters. Whenever Bart. they go against him, he's going to get the rib shot. He's going to get the neck shot. He's going to get the tackle his arms, make his head bounce off Bart. the ground shot. He's getting all that because Bart, you want to add a little smug on your face. <laughs> Whatever, McCauley <laughs> calls him. Lewis. But you're not playing anymore. It don't but matter. I'm good. It's, anymore, a, it's a culture. It don't it, no more. It's a culture. They still got no, killers in Cincinnati. They got nice. They got no nice more, athletes. Bart. They ain't got no killers. They got no killers over there. Bart, you guys were good. Hey, hey, you guys were good back in the day. There's no question. So Bart's got sitting there saying we ain't got no killers in Cincinnati. Yeah, you're right. No, none of our players have ever been you know tried for murder, unlike your teammate Ray Lewis. Um, I mean, Vontae's perfect was probably as close as you can get as to like a, you know, a really bad human being when he came to playing football. I don't think he was a bad human being. He was just yeah, he was man. He went after people just 
unnecessary. Well, uh, I think Vontaze Perfect is the reason why Antonio Brown's taking his jersey off and dancing shirtless in the end zone now. <laughs> it was it was the last concussion that actually did it to him. He went crazy after that concussion. <laughs> but here's the thing, man. Barscott can talk all he wants about the Bengals. I know the Bengals don't have Super Bowl rings. I know the Bengals don't have the greatest, you know, history. They had a really bad period from about 1992 to 2006, 2005. But here's the thing. Let me just point this out. The Bengals' all-time – the all-time series between the Ravens and the Bengals is the Ravens are 27 and 25 against the Bengals all-time. So the way Bart Scott – It's a lot closer than you think. Exactly, yeah. The way Bart Scott would have you tell it, it would be like the Ravens are 35 and, and 12 against the Bengals. And, and see, that's that, that's the perception for the mere fact that in Bart Scott's tenure at Baltimore, just even being in the league, period, uh, the Ravens, I think, won twice. Uh, Joe Flacco and then Trent Dilfer, right? So, um, you know, the, just those two rings don't accentuate the fact that they've been neck and neck in that division for the last 20 years. Yeah. I mean, and the, yeah, the Ravens, they've had more playoff success. The Bengals made the playoffs eight times under Marvin Lewis. They lost in the wild card game every single time. <clears throat> That's fine. There's one thing that those Bengals teams and the historic Bengals teams didn't have. They did not have a franchise-altering quarterback. You look at a lot of these franchises, look down the line. You can look at all the Super Bowl winners the past 50 years. 90% of them, 90% of them had a franchise-altering QB. Not all, because certainly the Ravens Super Bowl teams in 2000 when they beat the Giants and then again, the one you mentioned, Joe Flacco, when they beat the 49ers, did not have franchise-changing quarterbacks. They won with just a tremendous defense, okay? But the Patriots were in two Super Bowls before Belichick and Brady got there. They hadn't won a single one. Now they are they have the most Super Bowls in the NFL tied with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The San Francisco forty. It, it takes it takes one amazing quarterback with like ten plus years of longevity to bring something like that to the table, right? Like, yeah, you know, your, your Brady's, your your, your Aaron Rodgers, you know. Things were terrible without Drew Brees. They won a Super Bowl with Drew Brees. They were terrible before Drew Brees got there. They they were they made the playoffs a handful of times. They weren't anything special. The Saints were one of the worst teams in the NFL as far as winning percentage. You hire Sean Payton, you get Drew Brees, all of a sudden you're a perennial playoff contender and you win a Super Bowl. And I'm not saying Zach Taylor is in the same breath right now as as Bill, Bill Belichick, Sean Payton, some of these guys. And I'm not saying Joe Burrow is Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. He has to prove it for a lot more years in the league. But what I'm saying is, with regards to Joe Burrow, he's the first Bengals quarterback where you feel he's special and that you go into any game knowing you've got a chance. Yeah, I'll, say, I'll give you that. You know, uh, That's for sure. But I'll tell you this much, bro. I remember when Andy Dalton took him and A.J. Green, took the, 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 the league by storm, and they made it to the playoffs. And it, it felt like a special thing happening there too, right? No. Right? But no. I, I saw it, like, for the way I saw it is that they made the playoffs with those teams, and they had a pretty damn good defense at, during that time period, too. So I would say that they're, you know, the excitement of having, you know, a, a, a player that, you know, that can change the, the your franchise, that's that I could believe, right? But as far as the excitement as the, the team doing well, you've seen that before in the past. All right, here's uh, let me find this Bengals team that lost to the Steelers, and I'll tell you Andy Dalton's stats that year. Okay, um, I believe it was 2014. It was the playoffs. We lost to the Steelers. So hold on, you you can't compare that because Joe Burrow's in his third or second year, dude, 
Andy Dalton was already like three years, four years in at that point. Well, right? So you, you don't, you, I don't think you're understanding what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that your team has seen success in the past. I can see the excitement of having a franchise-altering quarterback, but it's not like you guys haven't seen success. That time period, I, from what I saw and what I remember, everyone was like, yo, these Bengals, this Bengals team actually might be for real because their defense is lit, and they actually have some weapons you know, when it comes to, to uh, offense. Right, but Andy Dalton was never the quarterback. We succeeded in spite of Andy Dalton. So, I don't – again, I don't think you heard what I said, right? So, comparing Andy Dalton to Joe Burrow, right? That's not the comparison that I'm making. Okay. Okay. You're saying the Bengals have had success before. The the, the excitement factor is what you, you accentuated, right? No, the excitement factor for having a quarterback that you feel you go into every game and you can win that game. Then, like having an Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of your team or if Peyton Manning is the quarterback of your team, you believe you can win every game, correct? Yeah, uh, yes and no. I mean, this depends, dude. It depends on, like, if you gave me, like, if you give me Peyton Manning's team, like without Edwin James and just Marvin Harrison, I'd be, I would be like, no, I'm not very, you know, he'll keep it close, but I don't think they're gonna win. Uh, or even Tom Brady with those Patriots, even in the, even in the later years when he didn't have hardly any weapons except for Gronkowski, and that was it. You still had this sick feeling that if the Patriots got in the playoffs, they were gonna go to the Super Bowl. Like you just had this uneasy feeling, like man. We got to see the Patriots in the, in the Super Bowl again because the Patriots got they're going to play the Titans and they're going to play whoever else and then they're going to they're going to win just like you know when the Chiefs were the hottest thing in Mahomes' first year starting and the Patriots played them in the playoffs the Chiefs lost in that AFC Championship game to Tom Brady and the Patriots and the Chiefs have a lot more weapons on that team but because it's Tom Brady and it's Bill Belichick you knew or you had a feeling that. If you're a Patriots fan, you can win any game. And that's what all I'm saying is from a Bengals fan's standpoint, we have a quarterback now. And I don't know about the coach yet. I, I still don't know about Zach Taylor. But we have a quarterback now where you feel like, man, you know what? I don't care if we're playing the Chiefs. I don't care if we're playing the Packers. I don't care if we're playing the Los Angeles Rams, whoever. We got a chance to win this game. And the Bengals fans have never – Bengals fans probably haven't had that since Boomer Esiason was the quarterback. And even then, I, I'm too li- I was too little to remember because that was like when I was like five, six, seven years old. I don't really know how most Bengals fans felt. But I know that through Carson Palmer and through Andy Dalton, when we've had a, a modicum of success, it's, it's, it's never felt like, man – I, I think we got we got the guy that's going to lead us here. It's always like, can we win in spite of these people? So that's that's all I'm saying is, as a Jets fan, if you had a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or or Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert or Tom Brady or someone like that, and you started to see a team being built around that guy, you would feel confident. And I, you probably didn't feel that with Mark Sanchez. You probably didn't feel that with Chad Pennington, but you were successful under those guys, but you probably didn't go into the playoffs thinking, man, we're really going to shock the world and go to the Super Bowl, or we got a shot at it at least. Yeah, I mean, that, I think that's the different like feeling all because like, none of those teams that you just mentioned, they were all predicated purely on defense. So, like, our franchise quarterback was our defense, really. So, uh, I mean – at that time, those Rex Ryan AFC Championship Jets, like we would, I wouldn't have a problem going toe to toe with, you know, uh, then in his prime, Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, um, you know, uh, Antonio Brown, and the rest of the crew, including that defense with Troy. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't know if they had Troy. Uh, regardless, right? Uh, you know, I, I had, I liked my chances with my defense, right? So I could understand, you know. Uh, you know, the sentiment behind, you know, like the having an altering franchise, altering quarterback. Yeah. But like, the thing is, it's not just 
the franchise-altering quarterback. You, you, you guys have made sure that there are, uh, you know, good. There's good talent, good receivers, good running backs. Uh, de- now the O line's finally figuring itself out. So you know, yeah, uh, it's all those put together. Yeah. Because I've seen some really terrible Peyton Manning teams just crumble. You know, I've seen some really good Andrew Luck teams just look like crap because Andrew Luck can't do everything by himself. So in this case, like what the Eagles did with Carson Wentz, you know, on his rookie contract, they loaded up on a bunch of positions. They paid their offensive linemen, their extensions. Um, they had, uh, you know, Zach Ertz, who was an emerging tight end at that time. So they did. A, they paid Alshon Jeffrey. They paid a, 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 a draft pick, you know, for Alshon Jeffrey to pull him from Chicago at that time again. But, you know, uh, those are things that, you know, other teams will do. Joe Burrow, like, the Bengals set it up in a way for him to to come in. They had an experienced running back with Mixon, you know, um, and, you know, the, you have uh, decent, I would say more than decent, you know, receivers with, with Boyd and Higgins, you know, uh, second-year guys, third-year guys. And then you obviously have your crown jewel, which is like Jamar Chase, which is last year's draft. So uh, they did a good job in setting things up for him. So, you know, that's, it, it, he, he still can't do everything alone, right? So they did a really good job putting the right pieces around him so that he can succeed. So let me ask you, um, who's the team? If if you if you're in the playoffs right now and you're looking at the seeding for the AFC and you're looking at the NFC, and who's the team in the AFC and the team in the A- NFC that let's say the favorites, the Chiefs, the Titans, and the the Packers don't want to see in the playoffs? So is Arizona in? Arizona, well, I, I think they're going to be in. I don't know if they've clinched a spot yet, but they did since they did beat Dallas. I, I would be, I would be in the NFC. I'd be wary of like Dallas, Arizona. Uh, okay. If I was the Packers, right, I'd be afraid—not afraid, but like I'd be wary of uh, the Cowboys, uh, the Cardinals, and the Rams. The Rams are in or no? Well, yeah. So in the NFC, Green Bay. L.A., Tampa, Dallas, Arizona, and Philly have all clinched. San Francisco is in with a win or a New Orleans loss. So, I mean, San Fran I don't really care about. Um, you know, uh, it doesn't make any sense. I, I don't. I think that team has a really good coach, but just, I don't know. They're just really strange sometimes. Um, I, I wouldn't have- be I – w- I wouldn't – I wouldn't hang my head on, like, losing to the, the, the Niners, but – um, the Rams, the Cardinals, definitely be wary of. On, on the on the AFC side, uh, you I would be wary of uh, the Bengals. I'd be wary of like the have the Bills clinched or is it still uh, New England? Clinched instead of New England. Now it's just to determine who. Yeah, I, for some strange reason, man, I feel like Bill Belichick can outsmart like another team in the AFC. You know? Yeah. Um, so I'd be just a little wary about an upset, maybe like uh, like a team like you know the Patriots or something. But uh, yeah, on uh, on the AFC side, I'd be if, I'd be wary about uh, Bengals, Patriots, uh, Bills too. Bills have firepower. It's strange, man. You know your quarterback can play like crap, but they can. They we were just talking about how Buffalo is not giving Josh Allen the run game that he's looking for. You know to open up the passing game. And Devil, Devin Singletary just runs for 123 yards and two touchdowns. So maybe they're getting it together. I don't know. But if they are, uh, now, is, now is the best time, right? The team in the AFC, you know, that would scare me the most if I'm the Titans or the Chiefs is the is the Chargers. Yeah, but they're so up and down. They lost to Houston. Like they, I, I feel like yeah, they're such they, an unfocused team. Guys out on COVID. Yeah, team. yeah. I would say all other factors are are limiting their ability to be, you know, um, kind of feared maybe out of the AFC. I don't know. I mean, they got the quarterback. They got the running game with Justin Jackson, Austin Eckler. They got passing weapons with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and company. They got a good defense when they when the defense is healthy. Yeah, um, their defense has been tanking lately. They don't have. Uh, uh, they didn't have. Uh, Duran James for a stretch of like two, three games. So yeah, yeah it's it's going to be tough for them if their defense if their defense can't hold up its bargain. The the offense is going to have to be in a shootout mode. 
which is possible. They can do it. Right? If any any team can do it, they can do it. They have the weapons. But the Chiefs are sitting at the number two seed. So hypothetically, if everything and if everything ended today, the Raiders would be out. The Chargers would be in at the seventh seed, and they would get the Chiefs. And the Chargers have kind of had the Chiefs number a bit as of late. Um, are you counting like last year as well? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And and you got uh, you know the the Chiefs and the Chargers split the season series. They they each won one game. Uh, the Bengals, yeah, I you know I'm trying not to be too much of a homer here, but yeah, the Bengals definitely depending on the matchup, they they they're, they're going to put a lot of fear in 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 some people, um, especially a team like like maybe Tennessee that might not have a fully healthy Derrick Henry and may not that, that might lack the offense to yeah, come see, back that's, down yeah. early. Yeah. But see the, the Titans are peaking at the right time too. They they have a very capable backup with uh with Foreman. Um yeah. they have AJ Brown coming back uh back into form. Um they have well, I think Julio Jones comes back uh next game, I believe. Yeah, I I know he hasn't done much but it's another additional target for for um, Tannehill, uh, you know, just buy and get a win. But it really is predicated on, like, Derrick Henry and how much of his old form he can regain. If he can regain 80% of it, again, I think then then the Titans become scary. Because if, if you have Derrick Henry rushing for 165 yards again and, like, two touchdowns, second half, dude, he's, he's just too too big, too strong. Defenses will get will they're bound to get tired at some point, and I think that the Titans might capitalize on on that, and that's what they've done for the last like two years. They pretty much smashed it down their throat, uh, the other team's throat, and it's worked. It's worked for them. They've been in contention um, every every year, right? Like uh, not in contention for the Super Bowl, but like a team to make noise in the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Um. Let's see. Uh, so kind of finishing up here with our um, NFC or, – or I'm sorry, with our NFL talk and our uh, playoff talk. Are the Packers uh, – do you think they're the best team in the NFC? And has Aaron Rodgers wrapped up the MVP, in your opinion, after this performance against Minnesota? That's a tough one because um, I still think that there might be – a little bit left in the tank for some other players. Um, Jonathan Taylor is still doing great. Um, he's still his numbers are still looking amazing. Uh, Aaron Rodgers probably will wrap up the MVP. Uh, it, it's they're a tough team to beat, but they also have holes in their team as well. So if they hit a very and I think that that Packers are the type of team that if they hit a very game script type of um, uh, type of game where they don't have or they can't dictate you know um, the offense and how it runs or even with their defense for that matter I think it'll look a lot like that first game against Nola where they got the 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 brakes beaten off of them you know Um, something like that can happen as a fluke, um, I feel like with that Packers team, but hopefully not, you know, for, for Rodgers, cause he can make one last run. If he plays in the, uh, in the Super Bowl, it's great. If he doesn't, then that, this, that might be the last we see of Rodgers as a Packer period. Right. Yeah. Which I'm kind of curious. There's been rumblings about him going to Pittsburgh. Uh, there's been rumblings about Denver making a run at him. Uh, either one, man, going to Pittsburgh, even though the offensive line's a mess, giving him Deontay Johnson, Smith Schuster, Chase Claypool, and Najee Harris. You know, and you forgot about Pat too. Pat, big Pat. Oh yeah, Pat Primer. Yeah, man, as much as that, yeah, but Aaron Rodgers doesn't like to throw to the tight end, so that might not matter much. That, I mean, that's because he hasn't had a tight end ever since. Never, ever since Jermichael Finley, he hasn't had a tight end, and he's the last tight end he threw to. That's true. <laughs> Robert Tanyan last year. I think that was uh, one of the options. Yeah, they ran out of, like, players to throw to. <laughs> um, so, uh, I wanted to talk real quick before we get into our next segment. Uh, we are going to be having some exciting guests on our show in the next couple weeks. 
Um, I've been reaching out to people. Uh, one of the uh, one of our guests though will be the um, athletic director. Of my one of my good friends. Uh, his name is Jeremy Greenleaf. He is the current athletic director at Xenia High School. Uh, he's going to be on to talk about the changing landscape in sports, as well as what he thinks about the NIL and how that's kind of affecting recruiting. Uh, and we're still waiting to hear from our friend of the show, Cassie, who is uh, CEO of Fighting Liger Productions, trying to get a scheduled time for her to come on. So we should be having uh, quite a few guests coming up here in the new year. Uh, as always, check us out on Amazon Podcasts, as well as Audible and iTunes. Um, coming up now, Jake Paul has been calling out Dana White, kind of this back and forth. He, he says he's he wants better money for the fighters. Jake Paul tells, telling Dana White. It's he just does. a stunt, man. It's, it's a, a pure stunt. stunt. Everyone White. can see it, right? You can see that, too. I'll let you – do you think it's he's for real? Well, I, I think a lot of it has to deal with uh, Jake Paul's trying to drum up business because his pay-per-view numbers are lagging recently. His uh, last paper, his last fight with Woodley, like he had like 3.5 million buys. That's it. 67,000. Oh, it's even less than that? Yeah. Uh, let's oh. Pay-per-view numbers for... From what I read, I thought it was like including like all alternate streaming services as well. He hit like three million buys or something like that. Fifty-five thousand pay-per-view buys. Holy! Yeah, he made he had a bad payday. Terrible payday. Uh, and he wants to say, you know, it's because Tommy Fury dropped out. That's what everybody was hyped to see. Nobody wanted to see him fight Woodley again. Maybe so, but I think the shine is wearing off, Jake Paul. Yeah, I see it. I totally see that, bro. Hundred percent. As a fraud. I think he's got his devoted fans, but everybody's like, yo, if you are this, you want to be a boxer, you want to be a fighter, start fighting actual boxers. Don't get in the ring with old-time MMA guys who don't have any fight left. Let, let me guess he's going to call out Antonio Brown next. Next year you'll see Antonio Brown Call out He said he would get in the ring. He said he would get in the octagon with Nate Diaz or Jorge Masvidal. Both of them would eat him alive. I don't care if he's training with uh, Khabib, with the yeah. Eagle FC, uh, you know, uh, promoting group. I don't care how much he trains in MMA. These guys are both of them. Diaz and Masvidal are like veterans beyond belief because they were fighting when they were 16 on the streets. You know, these guys are actual fighters, like proper fighters. So if he does that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's super necessary or not. We got to ask Jorge. <laughs> I ain't, well, I'm, super we necessary. We need yeah, a, where's that producer you're, you've been promising me for the last couple of months? Yeah, I'm working on it. You know, we got a GoFundMe page trying to get some startup capital for the show, for new equipment, for a producer, for a graphic design artist to get us a new fucking logo because ours mine was done using clip art right now you know just trying to piece something together <laughs> looks, looks like a 12 year old did it it does well you know a 12 year old did do it you know in all in all honesty so yeah uh we are you know working with the uh the slimmest of means here on the uh no huddle show but we're 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 working on it we're working on it damn it give me give me one or two producers and give me some new equipment, and we'll be we'll be ready to tackle the big dogs. We'll be ready to get our own deal on uh, Spotify or uh, DraftKings, like the uh, like Pat McAfee and uh, Dan Levitard. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. That'd be very interesting. We should get do a do a quick shout out to Pat. Be like, yo, check out our show. See what you can do. Let us know. Sir, so he'll be very interested in checking us out. In fact, I, actually, what I've been pining for is a fight with Jake Paul. Give me give me a Jake Paul fight. You don't have to pay. You should do it like a, a you should do it at your like your local high school. Like in in the in the auditorium or something like that. Ohio guy. He's an Ohio guy. We can make Exactly fight. that's what I meant. Like either his school or your school, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll fight Jake Paul right now. I'll fight him one on one. You know, whatever. I'm almost forty, he's like twenty six. He's a fraud in boxing, so 
there's, there's a lot of hate. So, so now here's the thing that the more Dana keeps responding to him, I think that it just keeps going forward. Like I, I again, and, and uh, you know, you can obviously disagree, but I think the future for the Paul brothers is a fight between each other to get views. You know what I'm saying? Logan Paul versus Jake Paul. And that's going to be what they're going to have to do to fight to generate some money. Because they're going to they're going to lose the shine, like you said, right? Yeah, Logan Paul's a lot bigger than Jake. I think I might be wrong, but he's also a um, he's also you know a sexual assault person. I think I believe he's. I didn't know that. He's, he's, is he a registered sex offender? Not registered, but I believe he's oh. been accused of sexual assault. Uh, so you know. But has he been pro- has it been proven that he actually did commit it? I'm not sure. I'm just throwing out allegations. Hey, where's that producer, man? <laughs> if anyone's uh, listening out there, they want to produce uh, Jake, it. Sorry, sexual assault. Not Logan. My bad. My bad. Jake, yeah, Logan was filming himself uh, with people hanging from trees, like at a suicide force or something like that. Yeah, and Logan Paul was, you know, also uh, lassoing women in a stunt. But Jake Paul, Jake Paul is the sexual assault. You know, and it's funny because he's now dating, you know, Julia Rose, who whose claim to fame was showing her tits off at the World Series a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember. I that. mean, they're a match made in heaven, no? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Just a bunch of fucking fame whores. All right. See, uh, here, here's here, wait. I want to continue this for a sec, a quick second, because what I don't understand is why why someone like Khabib is actually entertaining people like that. So Khabib is such uh, a religious fanatic that he doesn't want ring uh, uh, girls bringing around the scorecards and the and the, the the ring cards or whatever that he he's he's so adamant about it because of it, the faith that he comes from right um, how does he take on a person like Jake Paul as someone to train when you know what his character is like and you've seen the types of things that he's done in his in his lifetime right um, and, and you know you're gonna go ahead and say that you know I'm I'm this you know I, I, see, I don't get that. It's a, to me, that's completely like I feel like Khabib is getting pulled into the media, and he's getting pulled into the hype of trying to move his promotion forward by getting by signing Jake Paul. That's just really stupid, if you ask me. And that's what he thinks. He thinks Jake Paul has to help. Fuck that brain. bullshit. Excuse the French, but you know what? He's trying to make money off of Jake Paul the same way that everyone else is. And shame on him for doing that because he's a jackass and a dirtbag. This is how our show feels. About Jake Paul. I don't care. Hundred percent, we don't care. Even though we talk about him a lot. Yeah, we're giving him coverage for no reason as well. But you know what? You know, we don't have any coverage to begin with, so might as well give it to him. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So we had college football over the weekend. We had the big games. New Some crazy Day. games, huh? Michigan. Uh, I don't know what happened. Well, Michigan sucks. They run the wing T offense still from 1955. Um, you know, I I, hey, I actually like the wing T offense. <laughs> I knew that Michigan was going to get hammered by Georgia. I knew it. I gave them zero chance. So you didn't even think that that like when it comes from a class perspective of coaches, you know, um, that that Harbaugh would be able to stay somewhat afloat. No. Oh wow. You're giving zero IQ points to Harbaugh then as a coach. No, I think Harbaugh's got great IQ points. Sorry. I, I, he, didn't, he doesn't have the horses, man. He doesn't have the quarterback. He doesn't have the quarterback. If you look at some of his, his best teams at Stanford, who was their quarterback? Andrew motherfucking Luck. <laughs> exactly. He doesn't have Andrew Luck. He hasn't had Andrew Luck all season. Michigan – but this was supposed to be like the Cinderella team, right? The the all the all uh, inclusive team, a team that that works together. You know, defense is uh, you know keeping the offense and you know involved to the point where they get you know takeaways and everything. It's it was supposed to be that kind of team, right? No, no. I mean, I to an extent, but Cincinnati was really the Cinderella team, but. You look at Georgia was up twenty-seven to three at the half. This game was never close. On the flip side, Alabama pulled away late from Cincinnati, but it was a seventeen to six ball game going into the. Yeah, it was a lot closer. It was a lot, a lot closer. Cincinnati's defense held them in, but their offense had trouble scoring against Alabama. 
And that's that's not anything new or out of the ordinary. Alabama beats people. Alabama beats big schools by this margin. They beat Notre Dame a couple of years ago in the playoff by I think like three touchdowns or so. So this isn't Alabama is on a whole nother level. But Cincinnati hung hung in there. Cincinnati had a chance before they threw an interception in the red zone to make it a seventeen to thirteen ball game. So but both games ended up being blowouts. Alabama won by 21 points. Uh, Michigan, you know, they ended up scoring a little bit in the second half, but they still lost by 23 points. So neither neither school ended up coming within three touchdowns of the other team, which sets us up to the Alabama-Georgia rematch that nobody wants. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like um... – I don't. I, I'm tired of seeing Alabama there every every goddamn year. Like, every it's kind of like the Patriots, right? You know, with those Tom Brady led teams, you kind of you wanted to see a different team, a different player, a different coach uh, on the largest stage. But in my lifetime, I've seen Nick Saban and 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 Alabama in the in in the national championship more times than I can count. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> I haven't seen this level of dominance in college football in a very long time. But, you know. Like, even your Nebraska teams, right? They were in, like, three, four years, maybe five years, six years, right? Elite playing, right? No. And from, 19, from 1991 to 2001, Nebraska won three national championships, and they played in six. Okay, yeah, but they won three, and they played in six. Yeah. How many has Alabama won in the last ten years? Under Nick Saban, uh, let's no. Well, let's go with the t- same time span: ten years, 2011 to 2021. Okay, so you're saying 2011 to 2021. Okay, they have won one, two, three, four, five. Dude, that's fifty percent. Yeah, that's crazy. Plus he won. Plus they won two in 2000. Uh, plus they won one in 2009 before we're counting this 10-year span. So Saban's won six national titles at Alabama, but he's won five since 2011, uh, and he's likely going to win another one this this year. Which and he's been to how many though, in the, in that 10-year span? Oh, that's a good question. I want to say nine. I think they lost to Clemson a couple years. I want to say nine national title games in that span. So they won six out of the nine, including that one in 2009. I'm sorry, five out of eight. They won five out of eight. That's pretty nuts, bro. That's pretty nuts. But, you know, as much as you love the college football playoff, there are still a lot of other great bowl games that we get to see. And the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl, a New Year's Day tradition, Pac-12 versus Big Ten. And, boy, did we get a hell of a game between Ohio State and That game all bowl season. Ohio State ends up pulling it out 48-45. to And Ohio State, I'll tell you, went into this game missing 12 players who opted out of the bowl game to prepare for the NFL draft, including their top two receivers, Garrett uh, Garrett Wilson and uh, Chris Olave. But C.J. Stroud still managed to throw for 573 yards and six touchdowns. Jackson Smith and Jigba had 15 catches for 347 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, I, I was looking at some of the were mind-blowing. It was a great game. It was back and forth. Utah jumped out to a 14 nothing lead. They led 35-21 to at the half. And then Ohio State just kept the brakes going, and they, they ended up outscoring uh, Utah 27-10 to in the, in the second half. And this was just a great game all around. But this was probably one of the best Rose Bowls that we've seen in the last uh, – in, in a very long time. The the the, the – Rose Bowl, the best Rose Bowl before it was probably the Texas versus USC championship game with Reggie Bush and Vince Young. Yeah, that was a good game too. Yeah. And so now we get, now, you know, we're at the end of the college football season. We still got one more game to go. Uh, And then we're going to start seeing some of these guys that we used to have been seeing playing on Saturdays and in the bowl season at the NFL Combine. And then the draft will come up. But, 
I'm sure they're going to have their, their the big time players. You know, your first round players will have their own pro days, right? Yeah, and then they'll have the pro days, and we'll see all that. And but now it's going to be a long winter, man. This is like the part that depresses me. We're at the end of football season. College football is about to be over. NFL, we still got one more regular season week left, and the playoffs start. And it's just you you ha- you have to hang your ha- your your hat on on uh, on basketball, man. Like that's the only thing. And you know what? I'm not I'm not mad at it because um, it's hilarious because that, I I started loving sports because of basketball actually. So like okay. when I was like five six years old, the first sport sport that drew me into the world of sports um, was basketball. So from basketball, then I branched out and started watching football, and then more college because my cousins at that time um, were heavy into watching college football. So I remember watching Drew Brees play uh, in college. I remember a bunch of these, you know, goats. I remember, you know, uh, watching Tom Brady play for Michigan. Yeah. Um, so, and my my cousin at that time, he was a huge Packers fan um, because he went to the University of Southern Mississippi, which is where Brett Favre uh, graduated from, right? So uh, he was a massive Packers fan in the 90s. And, uh, you know, we watched a lot of college football at that time, but now I'm looking back at it when as soon as football ends, it's so easy for me to just jump right into basketball. And I've been watching a lot of basketball lately, actually. I've been watching a ton of basketball lately. I don't watch basketball like I used to. I used to be a huge basketball fan, especially college basketball. Uh, I, not- I, st- I still think you are. Like, I know, you know, when it comes time for, like, March Madness, you're pretty much, you know, you're on top of things. You know what team is moving where, and, you know, and, and who has a shot, at an outclad shot at, you know, possibly a semifinal berth or something of that sort, right? Your college basketball, you're you're a lot more, you know, in tune with, I would say, um, than, you know, your NBA. But you're, you're, I'm sure you still watch a lot of NBA. The thing is, I watch, literally, I watch whatever game is on at that time. So it could be 1030. I'll, I'll catch a a West Coast game at, at 10.30 here, you know, on the I, East Coast. I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, I've watched, I've watched a single NBA game. I'm sorry, say it again? I said I've not watched a single NBA game this year. This year? I, I, I don't watch I don't watch NBA until, or this season, I should say. I don't watch NBA until February, until after the All-Star break. Okay. And with college basketball, I start paying attention around January, but – my two teams in college basketball are both not great this year. That's North Carolina and Cincinnati. And UC's got a really good first-year head coach in Wes Miller, but they're not super good this year. Uh, and so that's taking kind of the fun, some of the fun out of it because there, there used to be a time where I wouldn't miss a UC game if it was on TV. I watched all the time when UC was playing. And, I, and it was must-see TV for me to watch North Carolina versus Duke or another big-time ACC matchup. But it's just not there for me now. I, and I think a lot of that is college basketball is so much different than it used to be. It's very different. I have to agree. I have to agree. It's totally different, dude. It's, it's totally it's, different. It's really difficult to watch. If you're a fan of basketball, you know what it's supposed to look like. You know what it's supposed to look like at the highest level. I watched that NCAA tournament last year, and there was so much ugly basketball. And I think it's because coaches have a hard time implementing their system when it's a bunch of when they're building around one and done guys. You look at the best teams anymore; their kids don't stay two, three years. And see, that's why I think the NFL has a more refined product when these kids come out of college and they're heading to their NFL teams. They've gotten at least three years of uh, college education, you know, into on the on the books, right? And film. And that's the biggest thing. You have three years worth of film to see how a guy's progressed, to see what his weaknesses are. On the NBA, sometimes you got kids that play 15 games and then hurt and then they're out, and you're basically drafting on cough, cough. Kyrie Irving exactly did the exact same thing. Guys that you are projecting at the next level, like James Wiseman, for instance. You know how many games he played as at Memphis before he got suspended? Nine. He played nine games. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm again. I'm. I know. I know these things, and like when I hear it, and it's it's shocking to me because like that player 
also, it wasn't like he got drafted like with the twenty second pick or something like that, right? Right. No, yeah. James Wiseman was the first or second overall pick. I, I know. That's what I'm saying. So I'm, yeah. again, alluding to the fact that that you know he played nine games and he was able to go, you know, that high of a pick. It just shows the rest of these other, uh, you know, um, players that they could go the same route. And you that just makes you're right. It makes it so much tough tougher on these coaches to build a system. You have your Carl Powerys that that kind of ha- they have their he has his own one and done system. Yeah. So he pitches it to his recruits as a one and done. You do this, this, this and this, you could possibly be a top ten pick. And he expects them to leave after a year. He doesn't he, expect them to stick around. Exactly. And the, the, these coaches don't expect their best players to stick around for more than one season. And it's sad really. I I think these kids can really develop their games a lot yeah. better. But then you look at the NBA, you know the other reason I don't watch NBA anymore as much as I used to? There's no rivalries anymore. There isn't. Everybody's buddy-buddy with one another. There's no passion where, you, where you're like, I hate this team. I don't want – I mean, I see a little bit of fire. Don't get it wrong. I, like, I, like I told you, I still watch a ton of basketball, right? So, like, I saw a little bit of an exchange between Anthony Edwards and Jimmy Butler – that I was like, whoa, that's kind of cool. Like, stepping up to the big dog, saying, what's up? Like, get out of my face type of deal, right? I mean, the Heat eventually did win. So, I mean, it doesn't change anything. But, you know, Anthony Edwards is a very exciting player to watch. He makes Minnesota so exciting to watch that, like, even Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Zach Levine with all his slam dunk championships, and Jimmy Butler on that one year with Tom Thibodeau, the, the, the T-Wolves were never exciting to watch. But I just watched the T-Wolves in the Jazz game, and that was wild, bro. Like, Donovan Mitchell dropped 39 points. Anthony Edwards was going nuts. Like, they were going back and forth and back and forth, and I really like that. That part of this at new NBA, I do really like. But, like, I see a lot of new things in the NBA now that would never would have existed kind of in our time when we were watching. Like, for instance, I don't know if you're uh, – Kind of, uh, if you have the the knowledge, uh, if you know about like what's happening with the um, uh, Kevin Porter, uh, not Kevin Porter, uh, who's the guy from Houston? Uh, uh, they just, yeah, Kevin Porter, I think. Uh, okay. The Cavs traded him to the 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 Rockets. Him and and uh, Christian Wood both uh, are got suspended because they got into a fight with their head coach. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood both got suspended because they thought, what, their co- coach, and their coach, dude, their coach is John Lucas, man. He's been around forever. He knows what the hell he's doing, you know? Um, that kind of disrespect from these younger players nowadays is just, like, it's it's so rampant, so easily seen uh, across multiple levels. Like, it just, it's, I don't know. I, I, that part of the NBA I definitely don't like, you know? The head coach in Houston is uh, Steven Silas. I know he's on um he's on uh, COVID uh, restrictions. So John Lucas is coaching. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha now. Sorry, sorry about that. Yep. Um, I don't know though. We've seen disrespect for though disrespect from players. Uh, you remember Latrell Sprewell choking PJ Carlissimo? Yeah, but like, how often does do those kind of things happen? I think it happens. This is the lot. second time Kevin Porter's getting kicked off a team. What's that? This is the second time he's getting kicked off a team. He did the same yeah. shit in in Cleveland. Yeah, That's why Cleveland dumb. traded him. He's dumb, man. He's yeah. Dumb. Some of these guys are just dumb players, dumb people. Uh, to me, though, you know, what is missing is, is a lack of intensity between teams. And you don't really see that anymore in any sport. You don't really see that hatred. And in baseball, it used to be the hatred of the Red Sox and the Yankees, the Reds and the Cardinals, the Giants and the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in football, it was the Steelers and the Ravens. And you had, you know, um, the the Patriots and the Colts, uh, you know, the the 49ers and the Seahawks, even with Crabtree and Sherman. And in the NBA, you know, you had the Knicks and the Bulls. You had the Heat and the Knicks. You had the Pacers and the and the Knicks and the Pacers and the Bulls. And, and you had 
just these rough, tough rivalries that were that, that was the excitement to watch. And I think you still got it a little bit in football, but that's really the only sport that has these heated rivalries where guys just don't like each other. Yeah, even even like I would say the the new school of rivalry would be like what Jalen Ramsey kind of did the last like three, four years. He just kind of went after every top tier receivers top tier quarterbacks he just completely went ham on all of them and i still remember i think his coming out party was with him and he got aj green to flip flip out like he he got him and aj green got into like 50 cuffs right in the middle of the field and that's when i was just like yo he really got under his skin and this is this is still like prime time aj green you know and this is when he's on the jags he's on the jags and uh it's Again, you don't see that often. I, I agree with that. But I think what happens with it, like, again, in, in today's world, like, Trey Young is a bad guy to everybody. He has rivalry now with the Knicks and other teams, you know, because he's just this cocky son of a bitch, you know. And and uh, you have, like, you know, the, the Draymond still talks a lot for the Warriors, right? The Warriors are always still run, trying to run stuff. It's non-existent, but basketball is still so fun for me to watch, man. Yeah, I mean, I hear, I, I hear you. I, you know, I, I don't know. I used to be a lot more into basketball than I am now. Between the flopping, uh, and, and the last thing you know, and you know what they got? They got rid of that, by the way. So like the the shooting form foul, who is what <clears throat> James Harden lived by for the last like eight years. I know that is no longer existing. That aspect. Like, They're not calling it. They're not calling those fouls. They're straight. Up. I've of- seen it. Uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. You got everybody shoots threes now. You have teams shooting 43 three-point shots a game. Yeah, man. It's like run and gun all the time, constantly. And, like, if you watch the Warriors, you'd be like, ew, I don't want to watch these guys. Like, it's not fun to watch Steph Curry run around in circles and then pop a three when you're down to, like, six seconds on the shot clock. Yeah, it's a slower game now, too, because guys drive to the basket, they get fouled, they go to the free throw line. Um, You know, it's just, to me, it was a lot better product in the, you know, in the 90s and the early 2000s than it is today. Uh, And that's, you know, a lot of people. I think that was a a very heavily, like, defensive-oriented era. Like, the 90s and even, like, early 2000s when, I would say post Shaq in LA, you know, yeah. when he went to the Heat, like '06 onwards, it was again went Piston style, like '84 to '78, winning. You know, it, you'll never see that over under on a game ever today, because by the sheer volume of three pointers that are being launched on both sides, Vegas is like, there's no way we're going to give you, a, you know, a, an over under of like 144. There's, it, you're touching 200 honestly on every game. And that's, like, for starters, like 185, 190. And that's crazy. That just shows you that it, this era of basketball is just primarily interested in scoring the basketball. That's it. By any means necessary, really. You know what's crazy, though? I'm going to tell you something. Before the 90s, the 90s basketball slowed down and was a lot more low scoring than it was in the 80s. Here's something that's very interesting. I'm going to tell tell you 1988-89, one of the last seasons of the 80s. Do you know what the average points per game was per team? Oh, I'll give you 97 points. 109.8. Okay, so they were scoring. Do you know what the average is this season for points? No. 108.2. 108.2. But that's, again, that's an anomaly. You go look at the last five years of this just I'm, as basketball. I'm looking. I'm look, I'm telling you right now. 85, 86, 106.2. 86.87, 109.9. 87.88, 108.2. So, uh, 83.84, 110.1. 84.85, 110.2. So, no, but after the nine, so 90s basketball slowed down the game is what you're saying. 90s basketball, 80s basketball was high-paced, fast and furious. Do you know what changed in the 90s and what they uh, – the, they Shot clock era. What? Shot clock era. No. 
there was a shot clock in the 82. What changed in the 90s was zone defense. Oh, three-second offenses. Uh... No. no, zone defense. Oh, just in general, the, the coverages that are being seen. But in the 90s, you in the 80s, you weren't allowed to play zone defense. It was man versus man. That was how it was. I'm sticking you. You weren't allowed? Like, it was illegal to have that formation? Correct. Defense? Okay. Yeah, that changes everything. Then in the 90s, they implemented the zone defense. Scoring went way down. So now to pick scoring back up, because as recently as 2012, 2013, do you know what the average scoring was? No. 98.1. Okay. So you have the league changed it to make it more offensive friendly, more three-pointers, more free throws, more scoring. But to me, it cheapened the game. It cheapened it. And now you got guys particularly skilled. A lot of guys can shoot three-pointers. And today, that makes them one of the best players in the league. But if you you look at at, at overall games – to me, if Steph Curry played in any other era than the current one he's at, he would be nothing more than a three-point specialist off the bench. Yeah, he'd be a Del Curry, <laughs> his dad. He would be like a Muhammad Abdul Rauf, maybe. You know, Dale Ellis, Percy Hall. Dale Ellis, yeah. That. You know, yeah. he, he's not a great defender by any means. No, no, no. He can't be a Joe Dumars or a or – a, um, yeah, yeah, he he can't be those guys. He can't be a Vernon Maxwell, no way. Yeah, he can't even be a Vernon Maxwell, which is sad. So we are running out of time, uh, but before we kind of trash on today's game anymore, I, I want to ask you. Uh, there's two teams. Um, I want to ask you if you think that they are legit. That's the Chicago Bulls and the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Chicago Bulls, yes. Memphis Grizzlies. The West is still too loaded for me to tell. Okay. Uh-oh. Bulls are for real. The Bulls are here to stay. My boy DeRozan, two back-to-back game winners. What's up? What's up? Patron in the cup. And uh, yeah, man, the Bulls are—they're doing work. They—they with Lonzo helming, uh, you know, picking up the best offensive player on the other side. As long as he stays within three positions, he's yeah. picking them up, and that's great. Like for us, we have Kobe White off the bench. We have our draft pick. Uh, I can't pronounce his last name, but. I love him. Uh, Isumu? Isumu. Isumu, yeah. I think that's his name. Um, he's great. He's, he he kind of filled the spot where Patrick Williams was supposed to kind of be the take the next jump this year for. And Patrick Williams, as you know, is out with like a broken wrist. He's out, I think, for the year, I believe. Um, so Alex Caruso. Who's in yeah, we have Caruso, who's great. He, he's he's uh, tied for fourth in the league in steals at two, two a pop. Um, we have capable scoring inside and outside both. Levine, Vucci, Maine, down low, and DeRozan. So I like our chances against any any Eastern Conference team. I'll take the Bucks. I'll t- I, you know what? At least we'll make it a fight, man. We won't lay down here. You know, give it give us a seven game series, special on teams. We'll fight for those seven games. That's for damn sure. Does this Bulls team remind you of like the? Pistons, the the team that won a championship with a lot of good players, but no superstar. That team had Ben Wallace. No, 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 no. I, that this this team is nothing close to that team because that team was so defensive oriented. It, it was ridiculous. I'm not talking. Abs- about, I'm not talking about makeup of the team. I'm not talking about style of the team. I'm talking about the sheer fact that this Bulls team doesn't have a Giannis. Doesn't have a LeBron James. Doesn't have a Kevin Durant. No. Yeah, yeah, you're right. In that sense, it does. Uh, it's kind of familiar, but you still have all stars, right? You have two, two, possibly even three all stars, right? Pistons had all stars too. Ben Wallace. They did. They did. They did. You know, they did. but they didn't have superstars. Yeah, they didn't have a Tim Duncan. They didn't have a Kobe Bryant. They didn't have you know those guys. Yeah, I get you. And in, in, in the NBA, you usually need to have one or the, one or two of those guys. Yeah, and, no Nowitzki in that yeah. era, right? They didn't have any of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. The Bulls are for real, though, man. Absolutely. We're here to fight. Well, that is all the time we got. It's been a great Monday show. Uh, we're going to be back at you Friday. 
Uh, you know, if you like hearing me and, me and Sam go at it sometimes on some uh, hot, hotly debated topics, please call in at 563-999-3761. We didn't get to get into the day one pay-per-view. We'll cover that maybe on Friday. Uh, and in the meantime, we're going to keep, uh, you know, we're still on the search for a producer, right? Yes, a producer okay. and a graphic design artist. All of it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. 